You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, sponsored by Franklin Professional Associates, excellence in staffing and recruiting, and supported by regional leaders like Rollstone Bank and Trust, where you matter most. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Kat Deal and Travis Condon, and we are on the road today at 30 Main Street in Ayer and Travis who are we with? Well, we are chatting with the folks at ReArchitect. We have Ashley Owens and Jamie Schwadel, both licensed architects and co-owners here at ReArchitect. And we are in a beautiful space. And this is, by the way, our first podcast where we've not only swapped intro spots, but also uh, where we have a dog uh, with us today. Yes, we are very blessed. We love when we get to go on site and there's a dog to pet and a dog to play with. So let's just start with your co-worker, Rue. Great name. What kind of dog is Rue? Rue is a Pitbull Shepherd 50% nobody knew mix. We actually did a DNA thing. They literally said 50% unknown. <laughs> unknown. Well, she's adorable and has been a great companion. How did you come up with the name Rue? She looked like a kangaroo when she sits down. That's <laughs> that simple. Looks like a kangaroo. Uh, name so is when, Rue. when we adopted her, her ears and her tail were the same size that they are now. She was 10 pounds. Oh, gosh. And all ears and all tail. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so she looked like a little kangaroo. Love it. Well, she's probably the best coworker, and oh yeah, yeah. she's a great construction dog. <laughs> she loves being out on site. She can hold flooring down like nobody's business. <laughs> what a good girl! And that leads into our first question. Can you tell us more about what Rearchitect does and the kind of job sites that Rue goes out to? <laughs> well, Rue only gets to go to the house, the residential sites, but <laughs> uh, we we do residential and commercial projects um, for clients, and we do some of our own stuff. So uh, residentially, that means uh, additions, renovations, uh, whole new houses, sometimes just bathrooms and kitchens. It really depends on the client and and what they're looking for. Uh, Commercially, it means um, restaurants, cafes, office spaces, dental practices, a wide variety. And we're working into doing some new developments and uh, custom builds when it comes commercially as well. So we kind of run the gamut where we're pretty flexible and able to do pretty much anything. Now, when you say that uh, you're pretty much able to do anything, are people surprised with what they can do with an existing space? Oh, yeah. Um, trying to reuse spaces is one thing that we encourage people to do rather than building new or trying to do an addition. Everybody always thinks, oh, I need more space. And a lot of the time, it's really just we need to reorganize the space. It's, um, it's right in our name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of times people want to build new until they see the price tag. And then it's uh, let's reorganize this space. Uh, it's usually a little more cost effective and you know better for the so, environment. So some of the projects actually on your website, which I have gone to and clicked through because there's some really beautiful images that you've put out there. Thank but, you. you know, some of the projects like the historic Harvard kitchen are ones where you are, you're not, it's not new. You're not looking to build new. You're actually looking to help preserve the history of, of a building. Like that's, that's an amazing thing to want to do is to preserve, you know, here in Massachusetts, we have a lot of history of a long history in buildings. Um, and I, and that's, that's an amazing thing to want to preserve that history, but it must come with a whole slew of other, Hmm. We'll say opportunities. <laughs> that one, especially <laughs> opportunities is a interesting way to pronounce challenges. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you never know what you're going to find when you when you start opening things up. Uh, and if the house has been around for 250 years, you have 250 years worth of junk that you find when you open things up. Um, they don't they don't build them like they used to. And uh, there's a there's a reason for that. <laughs> 
that one uh, is actually particularly interesting because of its historic status. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that one is the the new historic kitchen or the Old the finished kitchen? one. Yeah, we have we have a couple of we, we have kitchens. a lot of historic yeah. kitchens. One at Harvard. One oh. that uh, was just is downtown Harvard, and we were allowed to basically renovate it. But it was an amazing cabin that was originally built out of the Kingswood, which apparently was illegal at the time. <laughs> so had a whole story with it. Wow. Um, the one that yeah. we're currently working on that's in design uh, is part of the New England historical buildings and it actually cannot be touched at all like everything that we do to it it can't be attached to the wall to the ceiling nothing because uh, all of that is original limestone uh, uh white limestone wash uh, mm-hmm. and the all things that go all the things that go with it so that's actually our, our most intense historic project because we've never had one like that where we literally couldn't touch anything and yet have to renovate it yeah. <laughs> how do you do that <laughs> We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> that is a real challenge. Yeah. That's, you know, putting everything that you've got in your wheelhouse to work to say, yeah, we're going to do this for you and it's going to be amazing and we're not going to touch a single thing. Yeah. In this room. So I've been, I've been working closely with um, a woman at Historic New England going through what, what they are allowing us to do, what we have to do by code. Um, it's not part of the Harvard historic area. So Harvard really doesn't have anything to do with it. It's the state. Um, so trying to get the building inspector on board with some of the things that we need to do, um, and present it in a way to everyone that everyone understands why we have to do things. So, yeah. Now, was it always part of the plan for re-architect to be involved in this type of projects in these kind of historic challenging projects, or was this just kind of a niche that you fell into? The historic part was not planned. Uh, we did always plan, and uh, that's why the where part of the RE comes from. There's a lot of reasons that we have the RE in there, but part of it was the the reuse, the renovate, the the wanting to take the old things and bring them back, which uh, we kind of fell into the more historic pieces uh, with our one of our biggest projects that we did, which was renovating the old poor farm uh, in Har- in Harvard, Mass. Um, we bought that and renovated it after it had been. Uh, vacant for 10 years um, and that that project it was like 12,000 square feet it had been literally the poor farm for Harvard that's what what it was built for which anybody that doesn't know what that is basically kind of like a hostel like you live there mm-hmm. and you work the farm and because you work in the farm you get to live there and they mm-hmm. feed you and uh, there's uh, amazing history behind that that we really got to learn a lot about when we were doing the project but uh that one allowed us to really go in and figure out, okay, how do we keep some of this amazing, these amazing historic pieces, but also make it something somebody could actually live in these days? <laughs> that one didn't have a lot of rules, though. No. That, that one, one, we could do what we wanted. <laughs> they luckily <laughs> hadn't finished their historic status. <laughs> yes. And so you mentioned there's numerous reasons why the, the RE is in your name. Can you talk a little bit more about that portion of the name and how you came up with this business? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we... <laughs> like anybody, we went back and forth a lot on a lot of different names and like options and like who, who do we want to be and what do we want to be called? Um, we wanted to make sure like the architect part was clear. So that was, that, that was kind of a given that that was going to be somewhere in the name. Uh, cause one of the biggest challenges that at least I find with architects, uh, is a lot of times they'll have just like their name and like, is this a, a law firm, like an architecture, like what, <laughs> yeah. is, what is this? What are you doing? So we wanted to be very clear. Uh, we also wanted, because we have such an amazing team that is part of our group, mm-hmm. um, you know, we didn't want it to be named after ourselves. Like, we wanted something that felt inclusive and part of the group, not just us doing all, uh, all of this work. Uh, so architect was the easy part, and then it was like, all right, what do we do with that? Because we're not just going to be called architects. 
be a hell of a Google be search, though. Right at the top of the list. A A architect. Yeah, right. Uh, so then we looked at okay, like what are the options? Uh, and the RE kind of came about because we were doing some of our own investments. Um, I'm also a licensed real estate agent. So we were looking at how we incorporated that. And the more we talked about it and looked at what we wanted to do, the fact that we were so into like restoring and renovating, rehabbing, like being reusing. We have a basement full of architectural salvage because we <laughs> want to find a way to reuse it. We right. hate sending things to the dump. Uh, it just kind of fell into place that, that it made sense to put the RE in front of it. Me has a lot of meaning, so it's in like little quotes, <laughs> and it's re-architect. We also grew up with the reduce, reuse, recycle, so exactly, <laughs> it fits really well. Yeah. It really does. It really does. I love hearing that you have a basement full of stuff. Oh, I yeah. live in Gardner, and um, we lost a couple historic buildings due to neglect. And yep. the preservation society and the historical society came in and pulled out pieces and want to highlight them and reuse them if possible. But right now they're sitting in the museum, which is so that's so nice. So that, you know, you're taking historic homes and you're taking these features and you're saying, you know, we're going to figure out a way to use this. Oh, yeah. You're actually sitting at a table that was made from wood from the poor farm. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. And, I, and and it's on wheels. It's, it's a really lovely table, yeah. actually. <laughs> so you both studied at Boston Architectural College. I assume that is where you met. Yes. Seeing how one of you didn't start in Massachusetts, but was in Iowa, yep. I believe. Yep. I'm I'm from Iowa. Jamie is actually also not a true Massachusetts. Masshole? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not better. I'm from New Jersey. So am I. That's oh, okay. God. That's okay. No, we'll hold it against you. No. It's okay. We can't all be perfect. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, over the course of your studies, as someone who has never studied architecture, I appreciate it in all the buildings mm -hmm. I see. What is that like studying to shape the world? Because that's what you're doing, right? Like you are helping shape our world. Architecture is an interesting field of study and practice. Practice. Um, so there's there's a lot of different kinds of architects. Everybody thinks it's either, you know, you do residential or you do commercial and that's that's really it. Um, or they think of the stark attacks that are doing like the huge museums and skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. and right. Yes. Um, for us, so we met at school and school, architecture school is very conceptual. Um, you don't really have to know how to put things together. Um, you kind of just have to know how to BS your way through a presentation, which is very, it's a very good skill to have. Um, and put together pre put together presentations and mm -hmm. be able to express yourself, which is all very important. You basically learn uh, the concept behind being an architect, right? Um, most architecture schools, just people I've I've talked to, have only gone to one. Um, it's not about it's not about building or even like looking at the code. It's really um, uh, expressing yourself and and coming up with a concept. Mm. Uh, in in practice, so there's there's a, a million architecture firms uh, in in the Boston area. There's a million architecture firms. Uh, and they are all very different, but we worked at, at two different firms. While we were in school, you have to work, and then after school, we were still working. We worked at two different firms, but had a very similar experience where the architects designed something and handed off to a general contractor who then builds something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the architects don't really know how things go together. Um, and a lot of times when they're when they're putting their drawings together, they kind of just cop out with, uh, GC to coordinate, general contractor to figure out, verify and field. Um, so there's there's this huge disconnect between between how things are designed and how things are put together, uh, and it usually ends up in not a great product. Um, 
sort of dissatisfaction on the client side because they were expecting one thing, a beautiful thing that the architect showed them, uh, and they get something else, which is a beautiful thing that the GC put together, but something different. And we both got kind of frustrated in our firms with one, not knowing how things actually work, mm-hmm. um, and two, sort of getting yelled at by clients all the time because, you know, we're the middleman um, having to break the news that what we showed them doesn't actually f- work in the real world. Right. <laughs> um, so coming out of that, when we decided, we we started by, by flipping houses. Um, so when we bought a house, we were still both working at firms. It was a, a lot of hours. Um, but we realized that we were kind of in over our heads, even though we knew architecture. We had been in the, the industry for a long time, but we didn't know how the plumbing actually worked. We didn't know how the electrical stuff actually worked. Even structurally, conceptually, we understood it, but we didn't know what we needed to do. Uh, so we kind of got felt out of our depth in something that we had studied for a really long time, and it felt very strange. For, mm-hmm. for so much of uh, architecture and construction these days, the, the architect has kind of been relegated to the artist domain. Like, you come up with this amazing, beautiful thing, but the contractor is the practical piece of it who figures out how to put it together, which automatically sometimes requires changes and things that happen. And it was kind of wanting to recapture that idea of the master architect, like the architect who is in control of the artist piece, but also in control of what the finished piece ends up being because they actually understand that connection. And it was funny working at a big, I worked at a very large firm uh, in Cambridge and the the older folks who were in the firm were always always remarking about how our drawing sets had grown to like 300 sheets. And when they were, when they were coming up, the drawing set was 15 sheets and they built a 30 story building and it was, you know, they did it with 10 sheets and we were talking about it and we kind of realized it's because they were on site all the time. They were figuring stuff out. They didn't have to do all of the drawings that we have to do because they weren't handing it off to someone. They were actually going out and that isn't the case anymore. Um, but we're bringing it back. Yeah. yeah. So now we are we are a design build firm. So we, we're not only architects. Um, we have a general contractor who's on staff. We have some construction guys who are on staff. And we take pride in learning how things go together. So when we draw something, our GC doesn't think we're dumb. Or <laughs> <laughs> doesn't know we're dumb. <laughs> so we try really hard to figure out how things are going to go together, uh, which ends up one, without a lot of animosity between us and the builders, but also the client has a better understanding of what they're going to get and also how much things are going to cost. In the bigger firms, it's really hard to price something when you don't actually know how it's going to go together. So having this holistic approach really helps, we think helps everyone Absolutely. And I love the fact that you started flipping houses as a way to learn. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we, you know, basically try it on ourselves. And it's, it's still a practice that we do. I mean, we have interesting concrete countertops in the back of the office because we wanted to try it on ourselves first. Like, how can we do it? What does it look like? And we, we do that in a lot of the houses that are ours that we're going to keep or, um, you know, that we just want to try something new before we present it to a client and say, yes, we can do this. <laughs> so when a client approaches you, what's that process like when they decide they're going to go with re-architect for their firm? What's that whole walkthrough, like from start to finish, just roughly? Yeah. Uh, Usually we start with kind of an introductory phone call or visit, depending on where they're at and what the project is. Um, And it's it's like an hour of just kind of hanging out. And who are you? What are you looking to do? 
this is who we are, this is how we think we could help, um, you know, figuring out if it's realistic. One of the challenges uh, is if you're not in this field and you're not doing this every day, you have no idea what the process is, what the cost is. Like, all you know is you'd really like to have this, you know, bedroom or something done and you've Googled that it might cost you somewhere between 10000 and 100000 Or, <laughs> and, and I quote, I talked to my contractor friend who retired in 2019. Oh, yeah. And he thinks it'll be X amount of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a lot of like uh, education on what the industry is, what we do, how we can help, what what all of that looks like. Um, so that's the, the first meeting. And then if everything looks good, if everything makes sense, then we uh, send out a design proposal, which is basically here's what we think it will cost uh, for us to work with you on your design. It's never a this is just what it is because there are some people who absolutely know what they want. One quick like... Here's the, the drawing that we talked about. You're good to go. There are other people that it's like five, ten different iterations, and that just can't cost the same amount. Right. <laughs> so we give an estimate. This is what we think it will cost based on all of the projects that we've ever done. Uh, and then, you know, if they want to move forward with us, we move forward. We work through the design process, which just a quick is basically five phases. It's mm-hmm. existing conditions. We figure out what we're working with. Schematic design. We get a really rough idea of what you want to do. Design development, exactly what it sounds like. We develop that and <laughs> figure out, you know, the more details. Uh, and then construction documents, which is what's it going to take for the GC to actually build this? What's the the really detailed stuff he needs to know? Which a lot of people don't understand can be all the way down to here's how many nails you need and where those locations need to be at. Because wow. part of that is code depending on what you're building. Um, and then we go into construction administration, which as a design build firm, we typically make our construction management. But basically, it's just we oversee the construction to make sure that it's done right and that it's done to the um, expectations of the owner. Like that's that's what an architect primarily is. They're kind of the owner's rep. They're making sure that what we spent all of this time putting together is actually what they end up with in the end. Um, and then if we're doing the construction project, because we don't like to force people to have to work with us if they don't want to. <laughs> Uh, so if we're doing the construction project, then we provide a construction proposal based on those drawings so that we actually have a real cost uh, and we can be pretty accurate. Jamie has gotten amazing <laughs> at putting those estimates together uh, and she's always ridiculously close. Even our, our subs are like, wow, all right, yeah, you, you kind of nailed that. Um, and then we, we go out and build it. So most projects, it, it all depends, um, but most design, it's somewhere between a two to four month design window. Um, larger projects obviously take longer. Uh, and then construction-wise, we're usually somewhere in the four- to eight-month window. Uh, and we always have a ton going on all at once. <laughs> we're going to step aside for a quick break. We'll be right back right here on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Do you have the right high-quality employees to successfully compete and grow your business? Franklin Professional Associates' team of recruiters in Lemonster is here to help you hire the best so you can be your best. Visit franklinprofessionals.com today. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Conn and Kat Deals. We continue our conversation at Rearchitect at 30 Main Street Air. We're chatting with Jamie Schwadel and Ashley Owens, both licensed architects and co-owners of Rearchitect. So Ashley and Jamie, um, I just wanted to point out um, also that you are a woman-owned business and you are right on Main Street and in your window is a pride flag. Yep. And I think that it's important for people to understand that if you've heard, you can hear the traffic in the background. It's a very busy street. So you're absolutely standing up and representing. And that must be an important part of your business since it is right out front 
And I know that you are a certified woman-owned business. Can you talk a little bit about all of the process that you have had to go through? Yeah, uh, and we are also certified uh, with the NGLCC, which is the LGBTQIA+. Certification. <laughs> to be honest, it's just making sure that people understand that uh, that we're here and it's a it's a safe place. Uh, we get a lot of women um, and LGBTQIA plus people who reach out just because uh, they feel comfortable working with us or talking to us. I mean, we've had women ask us to do classes to teach them how to use tools so that they can do things without their husbands having to do it. Um, or their partners. Well, the, their wording was specifically their husbands having to do it. Uh, but also, um, you know, because we are certified with the NGLCC, we are part of that network. And a lot of times we have people that reach out to us uh, within that network because, again, they, they feel like it's a, a safe space um, that they can come and we're, you know, we're going to be straight with them. We're, we're going to work with them. So one more question while we're on the topic of these certifications, and, and you've talked about different contractors you work with and stuff. What's it like going to work with your spouse every day and working on the job site with your spouse? It's fine. It's, it's, <laughs> she's right here. Um, it's it's actually it's actually pretty nice. Um, we've had a lot of a lot of people ask, and a lot of people say we you know they would kill each other. We just have a relationship where we're we're in the same industry. Um, we've always shared horror stories and now we just know the same people so when we mm -hmm. refer to people we have a picture in our head of who we're talking about um i think it's i don't think we'd spend time together otherwise we work so much that i think we'd end up sort of just being ships in the night well and i think it's understanding uh your relationship with your partner because we we've definitely spoken with other people that you know work together but they're not really together all day like they have different pieces and things like that we've kind of just always enjoyed being together pretty much all the time. So it kind of just easily morphed into us being able to work together. Um, and uh, it's just yeah. making sure that we understand each other's positions because you, you don't want to step on toes. So she's, she's in charge of the architecture. I'm in charge of the business. <laughs> exactly. So we are, we are in the same space a lot of the time, but we do have very different jobs and very different skill sets. So it works well that they're not, they don't overlap uh, so we're not trying to fight each other for. <laughs> so they're really uh, complimentary. Work. They're very complimentary. Um, and she does all the stuff that's super boring that I have no interest <laughs> in doing. And I'm sure she would say the same thing about me. Like you said earlier, you guys have a team. It's not just the two of you mm -hmm. and Rue. Mm -hmm. And um, that work. Can you tell us a little bit about your team and building that team? I'm assuming that as your needs grow, your team has been growing as well. Definitely, definitely. Um it's always a challenge, you know, bringing groups of people together because you need you need so many different types of people and so many different personalities. Uh, so that's something that you know we're still learning and we still find as a challenge uh, as we work through. But it's finding the you know some really key people that you can depend on that can you know pick up some of the project management abilities, uh, construction wise that can carry some of the construction management abilities. And then there's Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's also in the office with us today. Um, so we have we have two designers on staff. Um, they both are BAC affiliated. Jacob graduated recently from Boston Architectural College, and Cirillo is still in school, um, working full time, and has kids. I don't know how he does it. No. Um, it it's incredible. I think just to sidetrack a little bit on that, uh, going back to what it takes to, to be an architect, I don't think uh, a lot of people really understand what that looks like and what that process is. I mean, it's, I'm not a doctor, but it's intense. It's like, like becoming a doctor. So typically, you know, you need five years of schooling with a either 
a professional bachelor's, which the BAC offers, or a master's, which you can get at a lot of other schools. Um, BAC also offers that. They do. Yep, yep. But BAC is one of the few that offer a professional bachelor's. Ah, Okay. Uh, And then once you have your five years of schooling, then you work for approximately three years. They keep adjusting what the terms are, but it's about 5,600 hours. Uh, And that's your professional practice. That's how you learn how all of the things actually happen out in the real world. And the Boston Architectural College makes you work while you're in school. Yep. Um, that's part of the graduation requirements yep. is that you have a certain number of hours. And part of that is to prove uh, that you've worked the hours that you need to work. Um, we call that the IDP program or the intern development program. Um, and you basically you report to the state what your hours are, that you've actually worked these hours. A licensed architect signs off that they've watched you work these hours. <laughs> Uh, and then once you are done with your hours, then you have to sit for your licensing, which is the exams. Uh, again, they keep changing them. Uh, when we took the exams, it was seven, seven exams. Yeah. It was nine exams for people before us. Wow. Uh, they have since reduced it to, there's a five, six balance. It depends on six. what you're doing. Six exams when, now. When I was taking them, there was a loophole that you could do it in five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they keep adjusting. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of tests. Yeah. Uh, and you basically, I mean... As the as the architect, you're kind of the um, jack of all trades. Yeah, so you're you need to know a little bit about everything mm-hmm. and a lot about specific things, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's kind of what those exams measure is to make sure that you have at least a basic understanding of all of the systems that go into a building, or the ability to cram. <laughs> and so for the two of you, what's it like now to be on the other side where you have a graduate who also went to BAC and where you're also working with? As someone who's a student there, what's it like being on that other side, having been in their position before? I'm very compassionate. <laughs> uh, any any time off, go ahead. Um, usually, I have to force uh, force him to take off during finals week um, because I, I remember. Just mm-hmm. it's yeah. intense. I mean, it's a it's brutal. You get up in the morning, you know, whatever your morning routine is, but usually you have to be at work by eight or nine. So you get to work, you do a full day at work, and then your classes start at four. You have class from four to seven, then you have class from seven to ten, and then you have to find time to do your homework. Yeah. That's <laughs> so intense. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it, we remember. It's, it's a lot. Do you consider yourselves a little bit of mentoring in this point at this point as well? Working with a, a current student, you're giving, you know, you're really opening up the doors of what it is like. Yeah. As architects, I, I think, so. yeah, I think you're always working towards that. That's a question for him, but I hope so. <laughs> we try to. And yeah. we, I mean, you can see, like, we have an open office. We don't mm-hmm. have doors for conference rooms or anything like that. And part of that is to make sure that they see the whole process and understand everything. Um, you know, coming up in, in larger firms and things like that, a lot of the conversations and the more professional portions are, are you don't really see those until you've been in the practice for 20, 30 years. And then, you know, you've moved up to the point that you're included in those. We want to make sure that everybody kind of has a general understanding from the beginning of what this whole process looks like, what it really means to, to be an architect. Because a lot of architects go out on their own. There are a lot of single-person practices. Um, and so it's important to know what that means from the beginning. It's important to have a team, I, yeah. I, I'll say. It must be so important. Everybody has different job titles and has different skills that they're bringing to it. But I'm sure that there's some stuff that you don't have in-house. And I do know that you collaborate with other businesses can you talk a little bit about that and a little bit about your collaboration? So it, it really depends on the project. Um, you know, we prefer 
being design build. So we prefer being the architects and the contractors. But we work with people who are just looking for us to do the construction piece. Uh, we work with people that are just looking for us to do the design and they have a contractor or somebody that they've worked with that they want to hand it off to. So we're very comfortable in a team environment. Um, you know, again, we kind of both come from companies where that was really important because of the handoff that you're making throughout the project. Uh, but then in regards to kind of there's always more specialty groups um, inside construction. So, you know, we're, we're always working or even in design, you know, you're working with civil engineers or mechanical engineers or electrical engineers or structural engineers. There's a lot of engineers. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and then construction wise, you have, you know, your electricians, your plumbers, um, the mechanical guys. And those are all specialty. I mean, they know they know what they're doing. They know their stuff. And we mm-hmm. rely on them to be able to kind of help us and guide us in those collaborations. So now for folks listening, if they're looking to talk to you about a project that they've got, maybe they want to do new construction or they've got some room in their house or rooms in their house (laughs) that they're unhappy with and they want to see, is there a way to kind of repurpose those? How do they get in touch with you? How do they start that process? So it's always best to go to our website and uh, go to the contact us link and send an email. Um, Taking phone calls in the in the middle of the day is always a little bit tough because we're on site a lot of the time, um, very or busy, in or in meetings or doing podcasts, um, <laughs> the usual. So going to the contact us page, reaching out, giving us a, a little bit of a an outline of what you're looking for. There are some projects that it's either much too small or much too large um, based on what's going on at the time. But we have an incredible network that we can refer people yes, to. We, so we're, yeah. we're able to, you know, okay, here's who we think can actually work with you better on this kind of project. Um, and then also uh, just having a little bit of patience and grace with us because we are we are very busy. Um, I was going to say the the big thing too, especially these days, whether you're working with us or you're working with any kind of designer, contractor, anybody, we are swamped. There is not enough people in the trades. There's not enough people doing the work, uh, and we are we are backlogged through the summer for construction through next summer. Wow. Uh, and design wise, we're always a little more flexible just because, you know, computer work, there's a little more downtime and things like that. So we're able to balance it a little bit more. But we still recommend reaching out months before you think you actually want to do the project. It's better to get ahead of it because there is no fast turnaround in this business right now. You can't call somebody, have it designed in two weeks and be ready to go. It's just not how it works. And that seems to be a theme across a lot of industries right now. Oh, it's, yes. I mean, it's not just the architecture, but every industry. Seems. Yes, absolutely. And it's not it's not even just us or the trades. It's um, the process itself, the, mm-hmm. the permitting departments. The permitting departments uh, have 30 days to review the drawing and turn it around. So that's a month right there. So if you are like, well, Thanksgiving's coming up and I would love a bigger kitchen, there's just, there's no way. That's not happening. Uh, <laughs> you'd be amazed at the calls I get. <laughs> um, well, you know, it just, it can't, it can't physically happen. They're having the same staffing issues too yes, that everybody sure. else is. Um, so, you know, a lot of times, whether it's going through the permitting process, which, you know, most people don't understand, even if you're just permitting, let's say a garage, like everyone, you probably have 10 different people in the building or uh, in the town that need to sign off on that before you get the permit for and it. And one is always on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Or just recently retired or went to another job. Like it's just part of how it works. Uh, and it's, it's similar through the process, which is why we don't guarantee timelines and things is uh, especially like, you know, inspections and things like that. Some of them only do inspections one day a week because that's what they're hired to do. So if you don't catch them on that day, you're automatically a week out and inspections have to go in a certain order. So if that one gets pushed out, it pushed out the next one. And so it's it's always just like plan 
way ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, there is no guaranteed date. People are always yeah. amazed by the construction timeline, just how long things take and how much of it is not in our control. Right. Um, there's, there's so many, there's so many inspections that need to happen and so many variables. So the moral is contact you now yes. Yes. for projects that you want to do coming up. So whether it's a residential or commercial project, what's your website that they can reach you at? Uh, www.rearchitect-ma.com. Ashley and Jamie, thank you both so much for talking to us about Rearchitect today here on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. We'll be back with another new episode next week. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.